Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bundjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. I'm your host Jordana Levine and today we've got a little bit of a special bonus episode. Um, There's not much going on this week that we haven't already spoken about from an astrological perspective. We had the eclipses, we've come out of that, I'm sure you're all still feeling it. Mercury retrograde is happening, I'm sure you're feeling that too. We've got all of that scorpionic energy happening with the sun and Mercury and Venus. So there's a lot going on, but we have discussed it in previous episodes. Um, But I didn't want to leave too much time before I gave you an episode. So I thought, what would be helpful? What could enhance your lunar lover experience? And I've noticed lately that I've made mention a few times to the houses within your natal chart. And it applies because when I'm trying to explain to you how a certain astrological event might be affecting you personally, not necessarily us collectively, but you on a personal level, it's really helpful to know what signs are in what houses according to your personal natal chart yeah so I thought what we could do is a series on the houses it's a pretty advanced monster topic when you don't have all of the foundations of astrology and maybe you think you have all of the foundations of astrology But until you actually start studying it, I don't think people realize how complicated is not the word, convoluted it can be. But I'm going to do my best to explain houses to you in a really simplified way. Um, I'm going to split it into two parts. So there's 12 houses. We're going to talk about the first six in this episode. And then next week, we'll talk about the next six houses. To get the most out of this episode, it would be really helpful to have a natal chart in front of you. I mean, your own natal chart would be great, but it doesn't have to be your own, just one that you can sort of use in as example. So when I'm talking about things, you're like, oh yeah, that makes sense. But of course your own would be ideal because you can learn about yourself as I walk you through the houses. To get a copy of your natal chart, just Google free natal chart and there is 
a thousand million trillion websites that will come up that allow you to do that. I will put a link in the show notes to one in particular, but really anyone, as long as you're actually getting your physical chart. So the actual wheel of your natal chart, not just like, you know, CoStar, for example, gives you like a description. Oh, actually, maybe CoStar does give you a free wheel these days. Anyway, I don't know. Just make sure it's the wheel. Yeah. Um, and you can use that to look at as I'm explaining the houses. If you're on a walk or driving the car, don't worry about it. You'll still learn stuff. Um, but if you do have an opportunity to look at a chart while you're listening, it will be so very helpful. Now, all natal charts are a little different depending on where you download it from, but it should look like a circle, a pie (laughs) with like 12 distinct segments. Yeah, there's going to be a bunch of glyphs and numbers floating around. um, And most of those numbers will be attributed to the glyphs of the planets in your chart. Yeah. These numbers are the degrees of the planets in your chart at the time of your birth. The degrees within each zodiac sign, yeah? You're also going to see the zodiac glyphs, and you'll probably recognize most of them, especially the ones that are sort of your sun sign. You'll know what they look like. If you don't, again, Google sign glyphs and planet glyphs. The chart that you download might even have like a legend or a key that tells you what everything is, yeah? Um, The other set of numbers you're going to see are a set of numbers from 1 to 12. They're going to be somewhere on those pie segments. A lot of the time they're sort of in the inner rim of a natal chart. Sometimes they're like right in the center of the chart in the sort of like triangular corners of each segment. But you'll recognize them because they will go in an anti-clockwise order from 1 to 12. These are the 12 houses of your natal chart. Now, unlike the signs of your chart, which are all 30 degrees of space, the houses will differ in size. Yeah, so if you're looking at your chart as a whole, You'll notice that some segments are wider than others. Some can be quite narrow. Um, Perhaps they're all the same size. That can happen too. Basically, they are areas of space above and below the horizon line. And symbolically, houses represent different fields of activity within your life. So when we say, when astrologers say, you know, it's really important that we have the accuracy of your time of birth and your location of birth, this is because without those two determining factors, it's going to be really hard to determine what signs fall into the houses in your chart because houses are determined by our viewpoint on earth. Yeah. So this is not standard practice in say astronomy, (laughs) But what we see from the Earth's perspective is the heart of astrology. Houses are sections of space above and below the place we are standing. So to say a planet lies in the first house is to say it is just beneath our eastern horizon. To say that it is in the seventh house It is to say it's located quite low 
in the western sky. If you're looking at your chart at the moment and you look at the first house and the seventh house, that's going to make sense, yeah? That line that runs horizontally along the center of the chart, so that like cuts the circle into two horizontally, that's the horizon line. So if you think about it, if you're in an entirely different hemisphere of the Earth, the planets are going to be in a different point in the sky from your point of view. The sun and the moon are like really simple examples of this. You know, like the moon, if I'm born at 6.30 in Sydney, the moon is going to be like 6.30 in the morning in Sydney. The moon is going to be at a very different point at the same time in America. You know what I mean? It's going to be at a different point on the horizon line. And this goes for all the other planets too. (laughs) If this is going over your head, it so doesn't matter. It does not matter. It's really hard to explain houses, like I said, without deep prior knowledge of a natal chart. But I really want to try and give you the best sort of like overarching analysis that I can. Before we jump in to the astrology of the houses and like what they all represent, I want to give you a little bit more technical information, yeah? If you look at your natal chart, there are four distinct angles. They're composed of two distinct lines that cross through each other. There's the horizon line, which I just spoke about. That's what splits the chart in half. So there's above the horizon and below the horizon. And then you've got the meridian line, which splits the chart in half on the vertical axis. Now, I'm not going to go into this much further. It's a whole other podcast. But let's talk about the horizon line because it is quite important. The sign that sits on the left side of the horizon line, we call that the east in astrology, is your ascendant or rising sign. The sign that sits on the left end of the horizon line, so it's sort of, that's confusing, isn't it? It's left of the meridian. It's at the furthest left point of the horizon line. So the sign that's sitting over there is your ascendant or your rising sign. Yeah, it's also the cusp of the first house. So this placement determines the rest of your natal chart. The signs will then move around your chart in an anti-clockwise direction in the order of the 12 zodiac signs. So if your rising or your ascendant is in Leo and you move anti-clockwise around your chart, you'll see that the next sign is Virgo and it's likely going to hit your second house. But in some cases, maybe just your first in other cases maybe it will cross over a few houses and end up in your third this is because all the signs like i said before are 30 degrees but the houses are not yeah so you always want to look at what the sign is on the cusp of each house and the cusp of each house is the first cusp so as we change from one house to the other in an anti-clockwise direction, you want to see what sign is sitting on that cusp. That's going to determine the flavor of the house. Now, sometimes it's going to change sign midway through a house. (laughs) 
that's when it gets confusing. That means there's two signs flavoring the one house. Again, I don't want to go into too much detail, but if you do have a natal chart reading with me, um, we can elaborate on all of this in regards to how it pertains to you personally. Yeah. But the following information I'm going to give you about the houses is just sort of an overview of what the 12 houses represent. Think of the horizon line on your chart as the ground on which we stand. The sky is then divided into two. Now, half the sky can be seen and half is invisible. The six houses above the horizon line, they represent a really obvious, communally shared reality. The houses below the horizon line, the houses, I guess, that are invisible, represent an internal reality, a reality that's only experienced by you. These hidden houses, houses one to six, are what we're going to be discussing in this episode. And they represent feelings, secrets, the inner landscape of your life. Now, a similar division happens when we split the chart vertically into east and west. But for the sake of this podcast episode, and I've already probably taken you to places you've never been before, we're not even going to go there today. So all I want you to know for now is that the houses really can be split into two divisions, one to six and seven to 12. And the houses one to six, which is what we're exploring today, are really who you are on the inside. They're hidden from the world. They're visible only to you. The houses seven to 12 are sort of how we show up in a communally shared reality. You'll understand it more when we, when we individualize each house. What I want you to understand is the significance of the houses when understanding your own natal chart. So, for example, two people with the same planet in the same sign but in different houses will likely have a very different experience of that planet and sign energy. And this is why horoscopes are bullshit, right? We cannot possibly say all Leos or all Pisces or all Capricorn are going to have these experiences. A, because we're only talking about their sun sign. B, we've got no idea what house that planet and sign is in. Yeah, and then of course all the other planets and their signs, and their houses are going to impact that. If you know your signs really well, you'll likely grasp the houses quite easily because they're very similar in their qualities. There are 12 signs and there are 12 houses. The two systems are parallel in their qualities. Yeah, so Aries is the first sign and the first house has very Aries qualities. Taurus is the second sign. And the second house has a very Taurian flavor. And this happens all the way through with Pisces and the 12th house also having very similar qualities. The difference between signs and houses is one key focus. 
We are our signs. They are what motivate us. But we do our houses. They are what area of our life we play out the function of the sign and the planet. Signs are the psychological process. Houses are experiential. Mm. I'm going to try and give you examples as we go, but again, it's very hard to do this broadly. When you have a natal chart reading, we can sort of look at it specifically for you, how a sign and a planet plays out in your experience, depending on what house it is. Okay, before we dive into what each house represents, it's important to note that even if you don't have a planet in a particular house in your chart, each house will still have a sign. If you look at your chart, the sign glyphs are usually on the outer rim. See what sign is on the cusp of the house. This will show you the flavor of that house, even with no planetary significance. So like I said before, you're looking at the cusp, the first cusp of the house. Yeah. So the house, uh, sorry, if we move anti-clockwise around the chart, you're looking at the first line of that house. This stuff is really helpful to know when I mention in a podcast episode something like, hey, with this Mars retrograde in Gemini, have a look at what house Gemini falls in your chart and you'll see where you're likely to experience the energy of this Mars retrograde. So, I mean, do that now if you've got your chart in front of you. Have a look where the glyph for Gemini sits on the cusp of which house. Could be two houses, could be one. This is the area that you're likely to experience this Mars retrograde. All right, let's dive into houses one to six. Now, analysis of houses can be super in-depth. Like I said before, I'm going to keep this as surface level as possible because it's a lot of information to take in and I want you to understand the basics of it. I have to say, I've been studying astrology for four years now and I still feel like, like I understand the basic of houses, but there's so much psychological depth to them that it still is taking me time to truly understand the depth of them. So that's just to sort of give you some context around the complexity of houses. But let's, let's dive in on really, really surface level stuff. Okay, so let's start with the first house. It's traditionally known as the house of personality. Its corresponding sign is Aries and its corresponding planet is Mars. The first house is where we establish our identity. The fact that your ascendant sign determines the first house is a pretty good indicator of this, yeah? Our ascendant sign is our identity in action. The first house is this as well. It symbolizes our optimal mask. It is our identity, our self in action. It has everything to do with the mask we wear, our shell. So think personality, appearances, bravado, what we show and how we act. And this can all sound superficial, but masks are important, yeah? Your ascendant sign, which determines your first house, if navigated well, allows you to action the identity you were born into. Yeah, your social identity is basically what allows you to navigate the world. 
So first house planets are really, really important. We can go deeper into this. Um, I don't want to confuse you, but what I will say is your ascendant sign really does determine how the rest of your chart flows. All right, second house. The second house is traditionally known as the house of money, but it is so much more than that. It's really about value and self-value. Its corresponding sign is Taurus and its corresponding planet is Venus. The second house deals with self-esteem, our values, our possessions, and our finances. And it kind of deals with two distinct levels. You've sort of got the material world, so that's like our possessions and our money, and also like this intrinsic survival, security, and safety. And in the mix of all of that, is of course the personal level of values, your self-worth, and this includes things like skills and talents. So it's what self values both materially and intrinsically within themselves. It can be, and this goes for all houses, you know, it's got its, it's, got its light and its shadow, of course, but it can be quite challenging to have planets in the second house But it's also an opportunity for so much growth around truly valuing self, yeah? So if you do have a lot of planets in the second house, perhaps you deal with self-worth stuff all the time. Perhaps it's your lesson in this life, yeah? Looking at your values, staying true to your values, showing yourself self-love, putting yourself in positions where you feel safe and secure. That's all second house stuff. If nurtured really well and sort of taking into account the fact that you have lots of activity in the second house, this is where we build really strong self-esteem. We put time and effort into self-love and self-care practices. We manage our money well. Yeah, we set budgets, (laughs) knowing that by doing this, both the material stuff and the personal, emotional, self-work stuff, we're tapping into those survival instincts of the second house, which is security and safety. All right, third house. Third house, traditionally known as the house of communication, but more specifically, self-communication. The corresponding sign is Gemini and the corresponding planet, Mercury, our favorite planet of communication. (laughs) The third house deals with information gathering and information sharing. It's also how we perceive our immediate environment. It's sort of the house of perception, really, self-perception. It deals with all areas of life where information is being transported. So think of, you know, like schooling, writing, teaching, journalism, digital media, social media, although that can be a little bit more Aquarius energy, but social media, smartphone, smart devices of any description. Yeah, this is very third house stuff. And when we think of perceiving and perception, so perceiving our immediate environment, It's being open to all areas of perception. So gathering in the information, getting curious, having your own point of view, 
but also taking in other people's point of view, looking at things from other angles, sharing the information with others. This is all third house stuff. Fourth house is traditionally known as the house of the home, but it kind of goes so much more deeper than that. It's the house of our foundational self. Think, you know, our roots, our family life, our living environment. It also sort of deals with early emotional experiences. So it is no surprise (laughs) that its corresponding sign is Cancer and its corresponding planet is the very emotional moon. The fourth house is a deeply personal house. It is here we can give and nurture from an emotional foundation. It's also where we seek love and emotional nourishment. If you think of the energy of, say, your moon sign, this is a very good indicator of the energy of this house. It is our internal world, our emotional self. You remember I mentioned the meridian being the vertical line in the birth chart that dissects the horizon. Well, not to confuse you, but the base of the meridian line is what is known as the IC, or some astrologers refer to it as the Nadir. The fourth house is the house of the IC, and it deals with our past, childhood, and our habitual emotional responses. It can carry many unhealed issues from early emotional experiences. This is the place we seek emotional refuge. The fourth house includes our family history, traditions, and culture. And on a more tangible level, it can be our domestic environment, you know, like the actual home itself. The fourth house is an extremely private arena. It is the lowest point a planet can reach in our chart. No one outside of ourselves can see it, yeah? So that's how it's very much like our moon sign. The fifth house is traditionally known as the house of children. (laughs) But I find that very confusing. Um, It's more about the creative self or the expression of self. Its corresponding sign is Leo and its corresponding planet is the sun. The fifth house is all about experiencing pleasure, play, creativity. We give life through this house. Maybe that's where the children think comes from. It's it's more like how do you give life to yourself? It's kind of. Does that make sense? Sort of like um we give life to ourselves. We give us vitality, the energy of the sun, that outward expression through Joy seeking through creative endeavors, the birthing of ideas. The fifth house is the house of pleasure, essentially. And and pleasure can be sought in so many ways. So it's not the kind of pleasure perhaps that we derive through like the eighth house, which we'll learn about in the next episode. It's more sort of like the pleasure of creating art or the pleasure through meditating or running your hands through buckets of glitter. Have you ever done that? It is so good. Do you know, this just made me think of something completely off topic. Maybe they still exist. I don't have kids, so maybe that's why I don't know. But when I was younger, this is in Sydney, there was a shop in Bonnet Junction called The Fairy Shop. 
it was so good. I don't know if the fairy shop still exists, but they had like buckets of glitter and you could like put your hands, very unhygienic, but you could put your hands in the glitter and it felt so amazing. This is fifth house energy. It's sort of like the pleasures in life that give us life, that give us vitality, that allow us to fully express who we are. And then finally, for this episode, we have the sixth house. And the sixth house was traditionally the house of servants, which is kind of a bit of an icky title. It's better known as the work of the self. Its corresponding sign is Virgo and its corresponding planet is Mercury. The sixth house terrain is about giving from the self through what you do. It requires a particular skill, talent, or trade that has been learned, honed, and now must be served. It's not always career related. I mean, sometimes it is, um, but not always. Perhaps, you know, you're an incredible advice giver or a magical cook or have an exceptional green thumb. These are all skills and talents and trades that can be used in the service of other. This house really is about earthly application and needs to feel of help, assistance and aid. The sixth house is about daily ritual, details, schedules, very Virgo energy, organization and time management. I mean, it is the Virgo house. Volunteer work is also very sixth house. Um, the other thing that the sixth house can be about, and I see this come up a lot in people's charts, is it's also the workings of the physical body, which makes it rather health conscious. So this could include, you know, like healing. Uh, it could be around diet, like food choices, nutrition, exercise, um, spiritual or holistic therapies. A lot of people who have heavy sixth house charts, it can go one of two ways, um, depending on what the planets are. Let's say you have Saturn in the sixth, you have the potential to be like super restrictive with health stuff, bordering on, you know, obsessive or over-disciplined. Of course, the rest of your chart's going to factor into this, but that's one thing that can happen with a Sanit, with, with Saturn in the sixth. It can also be, like I said before, very healing. The house of the healer, someone who has a lot of planets in the sixth, is here to heal others. Um... Something to be conscious of with the sixth house is the need to be recognized for your service. So in like medieval times, in the oldie days, the house of servants, which is the sixth house, was about our servants, which I know it's horrible. In 2022, we are the servants. And everyone knows that when you are doing something for someone else, it's really nice to have some appreciation and recognition, right? This can come at our own detriment when it's in its shadow form. Yeah, this need to constantly be validated and doing service in order to be appreciated for us. Yeah, that's something to look for, a shadowy aspect in the sixth. Okay, so that concludes the houses that fall below the horizon line. So the ones that we sort of feel in our internal world. Next week, we're going to start with the seventh house which takes us towards sort of stepping outside of ourselves and forming relationships. Ooh. 
Ooh, seven Towers is the house of relationships. If this has all been too much, perhaps you turn the episode off halfway through. That's totally fine. It can be confusing. If it has been confusing, let it go. We will go back to regular programming soon. These are just some filler episodes until we hit Sag season. It's just information that is there if you're interested in exploring things a little bit deeper. If you're still interested in exploring things deeper, but you're finding it hard to apply all of this information to your own natal chart, book yourself in for a natal chart reading. um, And I'll explain it to you in a way that allows you to lean into your strengths and the weaknesses of your own natal chart. Um, If you would like to book in, there's a link in the show notes of the episode. You can go to my website, jordanalevine.com or the Luna Lover Instagram account, Luna double underscore lover. And you click the link in the bio and you can book in there. Um, The big takeaway is that houses add so much depth to the understanding of who you are. Yeah. So just to say, you know, I'm a Leo, it just isn't enough (laughs) and by understanding your houses it's also going to help you sort of understand current transits yeah and what's happening astrologically and what areas of your life it might affect once I really started to dive in to house placements I just had so many aha moments which is just astrology all up right it's just a series of Oh my God, moments. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, If you did, share it with your friends. You can share it on Instagram. Tag me at Jordana Levine. Tag Luna Lover at Luna double underscore lover. Next week, we will explore houses 7 to 12. And then we will be back to regular programming. We're going to discuss Sagittarius season and the Sagittarius new moon. And then after that, we've got a really, really, really great interview. Oh my God, I recorded it months ago, but I'm so excited for you to hear it. It is with Emma Carey, the girl who fell from the sky. I'm sure many of you are familiar with her story. Oh my God, the book is great, but the interview, I just bloody loved it. Uh, So that is all coming up in the next month or so. Until next episode, I'm Jordana Levine, and you've been listening to Luna Lover, the podcast. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.